Welcome back, everyone, to Eminem Sports Talk Podcast. You're listening to episode 28, and we are back from our holiday hiatus. Happy New Year. Happy 2020, everybody. I'm Mark Morales, alongside Nick Rivera. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's 2020. It's time to build for the new year. I know all the listeners were dying for the next episode. I know. We had had to fill them in. We let them wait long enough. I know it's been a few weeks. I think our last episode is like second week of December or something like that. So it's been quite a while. But we're back now forever. Back and better than ever. Wow. I'm all for it. (laughs) And to start off the new year, I thought it was only right to kind of conclude our football season. Since, you know, I'm a Jets fan, you're a Giants fan. Let's kick off the new year talking about the Jets and Giants' 2019 seasons. And just kind of just go over, you know, what we saw from it, what they need to improve upon, things they need to focus on this offseason. So, you know, let's start off with the Giants since, they, you know, they've been making a lot of moves lately. They just hired a new head coach, <laughs> in Joe Judge. Ew. And, you know, there's been a lot of buzz the past few days about the New York Giants. So, you know, the Giants, they finished the season 4-12 and on the year third in the NFC East. Oh, yeah. With, with their record, they have the fourth pick in the 2020 draft. And if you remember... They had a nine-game losing streak throughout, like right in the middle of the season, right towards the end, which pretty much set up um, Eli Manning's return to kind of have his nice little send-off to officially pass on the torch to Daniel Jones. And they fired Pat Shermer at the end of the season and brought in Joseph Judge. I'm mad he said Joseph Judge. But, yeah, man, Pat Shermer is gone. The city of New York rejoices. They could have went... 0-16, I could care less. As long as Pat Shermer is gone, I'm hyped. Pat Shermer could have done anything, and I still wouldn't have been happy. This man could have won me a Super Bowl, and I still would have not liked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. I, he was always like a weird hire for me because they were coming off the McAdoo. They bring in Pat Shermer, and I felt like they thought it was going to be like, you know, almost like a quick fix for the Giants because they might have thought that, you know, well, Pat Shermer had this great run with the Vikings with Keith Keenum. What's to say he can't do the same thing with an established quarterback in Eli Manning? But nonetheless, fast forward two years, you know, I believe they're just finishing up the contract now with Ben McAdoo. And now they have to pay Pat Shermer for another two years while they have Joseph Judge under contract. They go ahead, hire Joe Judge. And, you know, me personally, Nick, I don't believe Joe Judge was their number one option when it came to head coaches, but. You know, uh, what's his name? Your uh, John Mary, your owner, came out and said that, quote, Joe, Joe Judge was as impressive a candidate as I have interviewed. I don't and know, I personally man. thought they should have go the Matt Rule, but obviously with the contract that he got from the Panthers, I thought that was smart not to get in bed with that type of contract. Yeah, I, I saw that. And I said, how much? How long? I was like, whoa. I said, the Panthers, they're, they're tripping a little bit. For a team that hasn't really been circling the toilet bowl, like they really, they really committed, and I was like, ugh, that didn't, that was not a fun time. I was not a huge fan of that contract. And I feel like that was very impulsive. Like it wasn't even like it was like towards the 
the latter half of like the coaching searches and like all the other coaches kind of dried up. Like there were still people out there, and they're like, "No, Matt Rule right now." I was like, "Ooh, say yikes!" Yeah, that's and you know, passing. Matt Rule is yeah, Matt Rule is like this big time name, especially the past two years. I remember last year he was one of the finalists for the Jets head coaching job. Obviously, it went to um, Adam Gase, but it seems like Matt Rule is like this next up and coming hot head coach and. You know, apparently, you know, like like we were talking about before the podcast, you know, he turned around two programs in Temple and Baylor. And a lot of people on the NFL level really saw that. I was like, wow, this guy can coach. So, you know, he's been a big name the past two years. And apparently he was a New York native. And I believe his dream job was to coach the Giants. And the Giants never even got to meet with him because um, Rule signed with the Panthers the morning of the the day that the Giants were supposed to meet with him to have the interview. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why a lot of coaches are obsessed with having all this control. Like, yeah, I, I for me, if I'm gonna be a first-time NFL coach, I feel like having, being the head coach, and having control of the roster, I feel like that's like a lot of, I feel like that's too much. Like, I feel like I'd want to work my way towards that. Get your feet wet a little bit. Yeah, like when you're in college, you're recruiting this these guys, and it's a whole different. It's a whole different experience and a whole different way to build your team, how you could build your team. Now, like, people – you could sign people, and you're not necessarily – yeah, when you're in college, you leave after a few years and you have to keep rebuilding, but it's just a whole other dynamic. You're dealing with grown men that are getting paid millions of dollars rather than kids that just want to play football. It's just a whole whole other dynamic. And who did he rebuild? Temple? Home? Baylor, what did they do? I mean, I guess he they he turned them around, but it's not like he uh, turned around these marquee programs or brought national championships. Like I don't know, I feel like the whole Matt Rule thing. I feel like if if ideally if I'm a team, I'd want to bring him maybe as a coordinator. But like this whole rush to get uh, the next new head coach, the next young. Uh, offensive genius, like everyone was obsessed with. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. What's the Rams coach? Sean McVay. McVay. Everyone's obsessed with the next McVay. And after one year, where is his team? Not in the playoffs. Like I, I don't yep. understand. Everyone's like obsessed with finding the new, the new Woods kid, the genius. But meanwhile, there's a whole bunch of NFL coaches with. Uh, years and years of experience, some with Super Bowl wins, is sitting at home on their couch. But nope, let's keep going to the the young guru. But yep, and going back to the Matt Rule thing, like you said, like oh, what did he turn around? Baylor and Temple in his college career, I'm pretty sure, and he only has two wins of teams. I think that are ranked or something like that. Does that sound familiar? Have you heard that stat? So that's been floating around. How he only has two wins. Uh, no thanks. Mm-hmm. And you know. The Giants obviously went with Joe Judge. They had interviews with Mike McCarthy. Um, you know, there was a rumor during the regular season that they were going to talk to Jason Garrett if he was available. Oh, no. If, um, just from a Giants fan point of view, being yourself, Nick, if Mike McCarthy was still available, because obviously, you know, he was taken already by the, by the Giants. I mean, excuse me, by the Cowboys. And let's just say if Ron Rivera was still available as well, obviously he signed with the Redskins. If you, if you personally, Nick, if you got to pick your head coach, who would you pick between the crop that, that was available, including Jason Garrett, since he is now available? 
I just wanted Ron Rivera. From the as soon as I heard rumors that the Panthers were going to fire Ron Rivera, I said yes. I said it all is coming together. I said we got Gettleman. I said we were basically going to have the whole Panthers regime. I said, but that works with me. I said they brought Super Cam to the Super Bowl, but I just wanted Rivera for the uh, for the defense because mm-hmm. I don't care what he did. Even if our team offense was not well, we showed flashes of actually being competent and knowing what we were doing, but our defense was just god-awful. Probably the worst defense in the league for like the past couple of years now. So I just need something, anything, to make that just just a little bit more bearable to watch. But yeah. of all the my kind of people were uh, – I wanted Rivera, then McCarthy – and then after that, uh, I was like, I guess you surprised me at someone I never heard of. And guess what? They did that. <laughs> they, yeah, they definitely did, did that. that. I remember you sent me a text like with the news that they hired uh, the new coach. And like I was working that day. I woke up with eye crusties. And I looked at my <laughs> phone and it says, Giants expected a higher Patriots coach. And I look at a picture. And I was looking at it with one eye, and I said, oh, my God, we got Josh McDaniels? I said, let's go. I'm so hyped, and I was about to text you back. And then I click on the article, and then the first name I see is Joe Judge. I was like, huh? <laughs> I, was, I was so confused. I literally had to Google Joe Judge, and it said uh, hatred, uh special team slash wide receivers coach. I said, oh, my God, Mara did it again with this trash hire. First guy is Ben McAdoo. Then they fire McAdoo because they bench Eli, and they're like, that's not how you treat Eli. Then Shermer comes in, and they bench him for real, and they're like, yeah, McAdoo was right, but we had to fire him anyway. And now Shermer's gone because Shermer wasn't a coach. He was just there. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing was when they were losing or not having a good time, just his face. He, he was just he was like, I just want to go home. <laughs> and they had a chance to get Ron Rivera, Mike McCarthy, and we got Joe Judge. Joseph Judge. <laughs> Joseph Judge. <laughs> Oh, man. I know we're making fun of it. He could end up being a great coach. Nobody knows uh, at this point in time. They just they just know what they Googled and what they heard at his press conference a few days ago. Um, but for me personally, I would have went with McCarthy first, then Ron Rivera. I thought McCarthy would have been you know a great, great hire for the Giants because me personally, especially coming off the Ben McAdoo failure and, and the Pat Shermer failure, and you're going into year three, three with Barkley, year two with Daniel Jones, I thought the Giants couldn't take another risk when it came to head coaching. I thought they, I thought it would be important for them to bring in someone with experience, someone that has you know a Super Bowl ring or has played in a Super Bowl. And I just thought that that having that experience would have been the most important part for this Giants because I thought you know you can't you know you have two strikes right now if you're uh, from if you're Merrick because you said you went with McAdoo, you went with Sherman. You have two strikes. You have this is your third head coach in what four or five years. And you just can't keep going in this carousel of head coaches. You, you, eventually, you have to get a guy who you believe in and, and sticks around for more than two years. So me personally, I thought that this was a very risky move bringing in Joe Judge. And like you said, he was the, he was the special teams wide receiver coach for the, for the Patriots. And, you know, I just thought this was a risky move. But he's 38 years old. They went with the young guy 
who, you know, and during his press conference, people were saying, oh, he, re- he has flashes of Tom Coughlin with the, uh, with the mentality, the way he presents himself, he commanded the room. So there's been a lot of positives since the press conference, but, you know, I still think that this is a risky, risky hire for the Giants, and you can't, stri- you can't strike out. You know, this will be the third time um, in the past, this is the third head coach in the past four or five years. You cannot strike out again with head coaching because eventually you need to have stability. And if you, if the Giants, if, if, you know, Giants fans, if any of them want to have success with Barkley and Daniel Jones as your core, it, you need to have the coach in place that can keep stability, that can command the room, that can coach a team. So we'll see what Joe Judge does for the Giants moving forward. But my question for you, Nick, is were you surprised that Gettleman wasn't fired when Pat Shermer was fired? So Dave Gettleman, David Gettleman, um... I don't know. I was I wasn't really expecting him to be fired, but if he did get fired, I would have been like, "All right, makes sense." But I mean, I was kind of I don't know. I'm a I'm like kind of half and half. Like I like Dave Gettleman. I think that he he gets a lot of like criticism and flack. That I feel like it's just like a common thing, just to make fun of Dave Gettleman and his moves. Some of his moves work out, but I feel like when they don't work out, that's all everyone talked about. But, yeah, I mean, he's drafted well. Yeah, when everyone was hating on Daniel Jones and then he plays well, I haven't heard one thing about how Daniel Jones is a six pick, but that's all anyone could talk about for, like, months on end. Well, I pumped the brakes on, you know, Daniel Jones being the savior. He is. He's the truth. He's the messiah. But what's it called? Um, what was I going to say? See, you got me all riled up on Daniel Jones now. Oh, like the Leonard William thing? Like, some of his moves kind of do make me kind of my head explode. <laughs> like, he traded for Leonard Williams, and I bet I total Giants move, I bet you they won't sign him. Yeah, and then that'll help the, uh, the Knicks. That'll help the Jets. I'm pretty sure that pick switches to a fourth. They don't sign him. <laughs> but I think, just, I'm not 100%. This is mind-blowing. Like, why would you trade for um, this guy whose job is to get sacked and he can't get and then I don't I don't understand. I think Leonard Williams is a he's a fine player, but what they gave up for him, if you if you wanted him, just sign him in free agency. Yeah. But of all yeah. these moves that kinda made no sense. Like I get the Landon Collins thing kind of but this one kinda nah, no thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I wasn't totally shocked that they didn't fire Gettleman because of the fact that, you know, he just solely on him drafting. You know, you bring in Barkley, who seems to be a generational talent. I know he took a step back this past year, but, you know, injury could be a part of that. Instability um, could be a part of that, too, with the team in general and them just not playing well as a whole. But, you know, Daniel Jones, and we could shift folks. You know, I thought that was a big reason why Gettleman wasn't fired as well, due to the fact of, the success that he had this past year. But, you know, Daniel Jones, he had a good rookie year, but, you know, the turnovers really scared me if I'm a Giants fan. Now, he played in 13 games. He had a 61.9 uh, completion percentage, threw for 3,027 yards, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and 12 fumbles. And that just scares me if I'm a Giants fan, the fumbles and the fact that he cannot hold on to the ball. Are you not concerned about that at all? And the fact that he just has this fumbling problem and, you no, know, yes, he looks like a good quarterback, but 
you know, for me personally, if I'm a Giants fan, I, I pump the brakes and I'm not really 100% sold on Daniel Jones. I'm, I'm probably about 70, 75% sold right now. Not at all. As long as he don't throw picks, we good. What about that nine-game losing streak? That doesn't, that doesn't, you know, haunt you at all. I know, you know, it's not 100% his fault, but he was the quarterback for the, what was it, for eight of those games? Because wasn't Eli in for, uh, Eli was in the last game before they won that home game with him. Well, he doesn't play defense, so nope, doesn't haunt me at all. The defense haunts me, though. That's what really, that's what really hurts the most. Mm-hmm. But that, right. if as long as he don't throw picks, he can fumble all game, every game. <laughs> that's fine by me. Now, but his some of his fumbles do get me kind of furious. Like I remember, I forgot what game it was where he was running to the sideline, and the dude like just like looked at him and he fumbled. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> I was like, yo, this dude's starting to get me pissed. But then we recovered it anyway. So I was like, all right, you good? Yeah. All right, well, I guess we'll see what happens. 12 fumbles total or 12 fumbles lost? Uh, It just says 12 fumbles. Yeah, because I I feel like he definitely had way more than 12 fumbles. Mm -hmm. Uh, That sounds gross. Yeah, no, it definitely does. It definitely scares me if I'm a Giants fan. But we'll see what happens. You know, I I feel like you can't judge a quarterback off one year, especially when he was – how old is this kid? He's like – he's 22. So you got to give him a few years, and then we could really see what happens. Um, I'm expecting a good year two from Daniel Jones, especially with the new coach and the new system. We'll see what happens. They might start off a little slow because you know bringing in a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, a new program, and, and whatnot. Um, so we'll see. But real quick before we switch focus to the Jets, the Giants have the fourth pick in this year's draft. What do you? Who do you? We don't have to go into specifics of of certain players. What area? Or what position do you think the Giants need to focus on with the fourth pick? Do they need to trade the pick? Whatever. You let me know what you think they should do with the fourth pick and what other things they need to focus on in the offseason before training camp starts up. I want them to trade back. um, Not too far back, but maybe to like 10, 12 range. Uh, I want them to (laughs) do everything. Uh, I don't even know. Like this offensive, line, I mean, the offensive line's a little better, but still not great. Mm-hmm. So, I guess uh, I'm so sick and tired of wasting—not wasting, but using picks on offensive linemen. They're bums. So, I guess if if there's someone there that you like, then I guess like a tackle, and then you got to do something with this defense, whether. Every, everywhere needs to be replaced, but I the secondary is the worst. <laughs> so if you could find somebody, but I mean, at the same time, a lot of the secondary is rookies. So and you got a whole bunch of corners. So I guess linebackers, some pass rushers, they just need everything. That defense is atrocious. And it doesn't bother you that they beat the Redskins and eventually won those two games that they did to get them out of the Chase Young sweepstakes. Not really, because. I mean, I want to chase Young, but, I mean, he could turn out to be a catastrophic bum. Like, everyone was talking about, for example, Quinn Williams with the Jets, and after the draft, about him. I feel like Javalian Clowney was another guy, too. Oh, like, he was yeah, supposed he's... to be this difference maker. He's, like, 
He's like in the middle. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like all these defensive players, they hype them up and they just turn out to be just average Joes like me on Madden. I'm like, all right. Yeah, well, that happens every year. There's always people, there's always those guys that get talked about being like, you know, the next great player and then they end up being either average or below average. It happens every year. So when it, if if Chase Young is really the truth, then that'll hurt me. But if mm-hmm. he's not, then I'll be all right. And I'm assuming Burrow goes one overall to the Bengals, right? I think we both agree on that. Oh God, I feel so bad. <laughs> I would see if I'm these like quarterbacks, like if I'm going to the Browns or right now the Bengals or the Dolphins, I'm holding out. Like I'm sorry, going back to school for another year. Not even that, like. Like what Eli did, like he knew what was good. He said, no way in hell am I playing for the Chargers. He said, if you draft me, I'm not playing. And then the Chargers said, we'll see about that. And they drafted Eli, and he's like, you thought I was joking. I'm not playing for you. (laughs) That's what Zion should have done, man. Forced his way to the Knicks somehow. Yeah, like if I'm – if like because especially in today's age, like – your first run as like a rookie that could really ruin you. Like there's endless quarterbacks where if they went in the right situation, they would have turned Josh out. Josh Rosen, better. yes, like Josh Rosen, he's rotting right now on the Dolphins bench. Like it makes no sense. Like, yeah, and they're about to draft Tua too. Yeah, like the Cardinals, they give him absolutely no help. Where uh, I was gonna say, couldn't have saved that team. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, all right, you're a bust. Here you go, Dolphins. And then Dolphins <laughs> are know. like, all right, we got our quarterback of the future. Ryan but let's play Fitzpatrick. <laughs> like, it, it makes yeah. no sense. But, like, we want to look for a quarterback. But then uh, I just – this is why these teams are god-awful. This is why the Dolphins haven't done anything since the 70s. And this is why the Cardinals have never won anything. Like, it just makes so much sense when – you go season by season with like how they they draft their players, what they do with their players, but like I don't know, man. Like for so many teams, so many players, I I don't want to play for them. The Browns, no thanks. The Bengals, no thanks. And that's pretty much that might round out my absolutely no shot NFL teams if I'm a quarterback who I want to play for. Yeah. Uh Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Bengals and yeah, Browns, no, I, no way. I agree. I don't blame you for that. Um, let's switch gears now and talk about the Jets. I know you. I know this is your your favorite team, Nick, to oh, talk yeah, about. I love talking about the Jets. <laughs> but you know, the Jets finished the season seven and nine after starting one and seven on the year. They did end the season six and two in their last eight games. They finished third in the AFC East. They are the eleventh pick in this year's draft. And, you know, I think, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. People wanted to fire Adam Gase in the beginning of the season when, when Darnold was down with Mono and they were playing with their third-string quarterback because Miles Garrett had that dirty hit on Trevor Simeon, snapped his leg or his ankle, and he was out. So they were playing with Luke Falk as their starting quarterback for the beginning of the season, the first year of a new head coach. And, you know, they went 1-7. and seven. Darnold comes back. They, they end up winning out in the last eight weeks of the season, going six and two, improve. They go from one and seven, Nick, to seven and nine. And I think that 
you know, that speaks volumes to the coaching staff and not just Adam Gase, but the coaching staff in total, because the Jets could have very easily packed it in for the season. You know, it wasn't our year. Darnold, you know, pretty much was out from the get-go because you don't just get mono on a Tuesday after a Sunday game. You know, he clearly had it in week one against the Bills, and he tried to play through it. Obviously, he didn't know it was mono at the time, but, you know, you don't have Darnold for the first four or five weeks of the season. You go one and seven. The team could have easily been, you know what, not our year. Injuries happen. We didn't have C.J. Mosley for pretty much the entire season. You know, it's just not our year. Let's just take it easy and really focus on year two. But they didn't do that. They didn't pack it in. They fought hard. They ended up going six and two when Darnold came back. And Darnold played well in year two. Was he great? No. Was he, you know, was he good? Yes. Was he better than his rookie season? Absolutely. And Darnold played 13 games in year one, played 13 games in year two. His completion percentage went from 57.7 to 61.9. He missed time again this year. He threw for 2,865 yards in year one to 3,024 in year two. His touchdowns went from 17 to 19. His interceptions went down from his rookie year where he threw 15. He ended up only throwing 13 this year. And, you know, the only thing that you can say actually got worse was fumbling, where he only had one fumble in year one to six in year two. But, you know, in total, Darnold had a pretty good year. And despite the fact that he started the season with mono, he ended up playing better in year two than he did in year one. And, you know, I'm excited. If, I'm a, if you're a Jets fan, you've got to be excited. I'm excited. I would love to see this kid play for a full season healthy with actual weapons. Because if you remember, they didn't really have any weapons. I know him and Robbie Anderson found a connection towards the, in the, the final couple of weeks of the season. Le'Veon Bell, you know, really wasn't the same Le'Veon Bell that everyone was expecting. But Darnold didn't give any excuses. He ended up having surgery on his left non-throwing hand on, um, on Thursday. And he, apparently he suffered this injury in week eight. And the week eight lost the Jaguars. And it was to, the surgery was to repair a ligament in his left non-throwing thumb. So, you know, he played weeks with a, with a banged up non-throwing hand. I know it's not his throwing hand, but it still can mess you up a little bit. And they still went six and two. So... Nick, doesn't that speak volumes to the coaching staff? Now, real quick, granted, I know the defense really picked it up a lot, and their scoring did improve in the final eight weeks of the season, but you know, a big reason was because their defense was playing great, and they, a lot of the points did come from the defense. But you, know, you still won games, and it wasn't all the defense. The offense still struggled a little bit, but you could say it's because they didn't really have a lot of weapons to, uh, you know, to, to help Darnold out for the most part. But I thought finishing the season seven and nine after starting one and seven, going six and two in the last eight, not packing it in. I thought that spoke volumes and you got to give credit to Adam Gase. I'm not giving no credit to nobody just because of those two losses. Who'd you lose to? You lost (laughs) to the Bengals and the Dolphins, their first wins of the season. It happens. I don't care who you beat. Who did you beat? Let me go through it. Well, let's just – I'm just going to start it off by saying that their turnaround started with that, that win against the Giants that you and I were in attendance for. That pretty much kicked off their 6-2 and two stretch. So they beat the Giants at home. All right. Some it was a Jets home game. Bums. They beat the Redskins on the road. Bums. Beat the Raiders at home. And at the time, bums. the Raiders were still in the playoff. I'm not going to call them bums right out. I right am. There. Bums. Then the next – the following game is when they lost to the Bengals <laughs> on the road. Then they beat the Dolphins at home, Bum. lost to the Ravens in, in Baltimore, beat the Steelers, which wasn't an easy game. And then they beat the Bills in the final game, which you could say the Bills were just a throwaway game because they, they rested a lot of key guys for the playoffs just to lose. But 
that's that's another story. But you know, they did they did beat a good team in the Steelers. They beat a good team in the Raiders. So you, you know they were those weren't easy games. Nah, y'all didn't beat nobody. Yeah, here we go. Y'all didn't beat nobody. You beat who was the Steelers QB that day? Did I do Duck? Uh, I think it was both Duck and Rudolph. I think they put them both in at one, not at the same play, but like they were, they pulled Duck. I think put Rudolph in, and then I think they put Duck back in. I don't remember exactly, but both quarterbacks did play that game. This guy beat a team whose quarterback's name is Duck. <laughs> Bums. But still, though, you they they doesn't matter. These are NFL caliber teams. They went six and two in the final eight, and you got to give credit to Adam Gase and the coaching staff here. I mean, I'll give credit. That means you're keeping them. And if that means the the Jets are going to do another year of Adam Gase, that means another year of jokes for me. Eyeballs well, returns. At least I didn't get a guy called Joseph Judge that nobody heard of. Hey, as long as Joe <laughs> Judge... Oh, he already had his press conference. He didn't look around looking like a psychopath, so that's already a win for me. As long as Joe Judge isn't doing smelling salts in the preseason game, I think I'll be all right. <laughs> nah, but I'm I'm excited for your Jets fan. Obviously, this season didn't go as planned. I'm curious to see though how this Jets season would have panned out if Darnold was healthy for the entire season. Because you know they did they won they were were six and two in the final eight. That speaks volumes. I know I keep saying that, but when Darnold was healthy, they played well. And he got hurt in week eight against the Jaguars. And that following game was the Dolphins game where they lost. So, I mean, I'm not making excuses. Injuries happen. But I want to see a full season of Darnold. And, and what's your opinions on Darnold? You know, I threw the stats at you, how he actually had a, a, a better year two than he did year one. Are you, are you as an outside outsider looking in, do you believe in Sam Darnold? And I don't want to hear any bias, you know, answer. I don't want to hear a hater answer from an NFL fan. From the outside looking in, do you believe Darnold could be, you know, a good to great QB in this league? And I'm not saying like Aaron Rodgers level. I'm talking about a guy who could win you games, get you to the playoffs, and, you know, maybe get you a ring or two. Do you think that he could eventually be a great quarterback for the Jets? I hope not because then it's going to spoil <laughs> the fun for me. Um, Let's see. Do I believe in Sam Darnold? I mean – Compared to who who is in his quarterback class, I guess I have to believe in him. Josh Allen's the biggest bum of all time after watching that uh, him blow that lead. Who else was in it? Uh, Baker name? Mayfield had a really bad year too. Baker Mayfield and from the Lamar jump. Jackson. I knew it was going to be a bum. Lamar, I feel like, but nobody knew about Lamar though. Let's let's be let's be fair. I feel like this is uh, like a two year window. I feel like Lamar Jackson won't pan out. Not that he'll become bad. I feel like, or not that he'll become injured. I just feel like he'll make the legal catch up to him. Not, eh, I don't even know how to describe. I just feel like, I guess that's the best way to describe. It. I feel like this in like two, he'll have maybe this year, or maybe the following, or have a break next year where like he'll fall off a little bit, then come back for the third, and then I think after that he'll just kind of taper off. But I feel like his, I feel like he's not gonna be like a long term putting up these kind of numbers that he is. I feel like Sam Darnold is gonna be the most consistent. I feel like he doesn't have the highest window, but I feel like he doesn't have he doesn't have the highest window, but I think he has the highest floor. So I feel like he's gonna be the most consistent. He has been already. 
Um, and yeah, I feel like he has the potential. He just gotta fulfill it, and he doesn't mm-hmm. help that he's out there throwing a Robbie Anderson. Yeah, no, that too. Can you imagine eventually when they have weapons, what type of numbers to be putting up? And yeah, he definitely has to cut back on the interceptions, no doubt about it. But that can be corrected. But that's something that he can control. He can't control who he's throwing to. He can only control like where he's throwing. If that makes sense. Yeah. And it doesn't help when they get Le'Veon in these probably top five bumps of 2019. Yeah, they have, definitely have to incorporate him better in year two as opposed to year one. Um, you know, And that brings up another point now, Nick. Well, before we get to that, real quick. If you had a pick between Daniel Jones or Sam Darnold, right, who are you picking to start a franchise? Daniel Jones of House Dimes. Winner of games, the unbroken. Winner of games is his his record is like what two and two and eleven as a I starter. Don't care, he is the goat. All right, I knew you were gonna go there. That's a, that's a stupid question to ask you because if you ask me that, I'm gonna say Sam Darnold. That's a dumb question. It was just a fun question just to try to throw out there. But um, to get to my next point, talking about Bell, we obviously know that he didn't have the same type of season that Le'Veon Bell usually has. There was a lot of speculation whether or not they're going to keep Le'Veon Bell or whether they're going to trade Le'Veon Bell. And the same goes to Jamal Adams, who, if you remember, had that public you know, feud with the Jets and the Jets organization when people were when teams were calling the Jets for um, just to talk about Jamal Adams. He obviously got a lot got a, got offended due to that. Um, he believes he's in like the uh, I'm blanking on the on the DN, the defensive end from the. Uh, the Rams, oh, Aaron Donald, he believes he's on, like, that level, that caliber of, of player. Now, me personally, if I believe that they should try to keep both Bell and Adams. You know, Adams is a guy you want to build around on the defensive end. Yeah, he's going to cost you a lot of money, but, you know, he he's one of the best safeties in, in football, Whether if he's not the best safety. I know he made all pro first team this year, um, or whatever whatever they call that, that honor, Um and, and also, I do understand that safety is not the most important position on the football field, and you don't really invest a lot of money into safeties, but he's a guy that, that could play different positions, not just safety. We saw instances where he was, you know, sacking the quarterback a few times. You know, we saw that strip sack that he had to Daniel Jones. He was playing, you know, out of position a little bit left and right. He's a guy who can do, who, who can do a lot, not just, not just play safety. So I believe you got to keep Jamal Adams. And then for Le'Veon Bell, the same thing. He is one of the best skill positions in all of football, skill players in all of football in Le'Veon Bell. So why would you get rid of a player of that caliber, especially when Darnold doesn't really have other options out there to throw to, especially Robbie Anderson. He's going to be a free agent this offseason. He already said in, in his one of his um, season-ending press conferences that he was very blunt. He pretty much said, I'm going to go to whoever pays me the most money. And he also tweeted a few weeks ago that he wants to play in the Super Bowl. So, you know, I I would have to assume that the Jets are not going to be a team that gives him the most money. So I'm under the assumption that Robbie Anderson is not going to be a Jet next year. So that's another weapon you take away from Sam Darnold. So why would the Jets want to trade Le'Veon Bell, who, like I said, is arguably one of the best skill players in the National Football League? So I think you got to keep both. What what are your thoughts on that? (laughs) You're going to get rid of Bell, and who's going to be running back? Powell, too. <laughs> and getting, I don't know, if they get rid of Anderson, who are they going to bring in? Antonio Brown? Like, I feel like there's... No, thank you. I feel like there's not that many um, options for free agency wide receivers, but... There's not, no. 
if the draft is as stacked as last year, I say do that. I feel like every rookie wide receiver this year just had a great year. Like there's so many. Like every time I was like, oh, that dude's a rookie. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was countless. So I feel like of all the positions, I feel like wide receiver is the easiest to transition to and like be good right away. Same thing with running back. So I mean, if they feel like they could find their pieces. I say, I mean, let Robbie Erickson go, but if you don't think you can kind of not necessarily fill his void, but someone's got to play receiver. Mm-hmm. And, if, and what about Le'Veon Bell, though? Like, do you think they should keep him or trade him? Oh, like, I mean, you signed him this deal, and you really didn't give him the ball, so, at, like, trading him makes no sense. You're like, oh, he didn't do anything, but we wouldn't let him do anything. Like, it kind of makes no sense. It's like yeah. a Dave Gettleman move, but, <laughs> I mean... Cause- because I think they should definitely keep Bell and Jamal Adams. I think they'd be dumb to trade either of those guys. Oh, I think they, I think they will trade Adams. I don't know if I'd rather keep him or not. I don't, after the Landon Collins experience, I'm kind of over safeties, so I say trade him. But for for Bell, I I would keep him. I would keep Anderson, and that's pretty much it with like big time moves. I guess you, like you're gonna lose guys here and there with your roster, but. Mm-hmm. Like the big time people, I'd keep Bell Anderson and trade Adams for whatever you could get, and you could probably you'll get some team that give you a pretty decent haul for uh, Adams. Yeah, and I guess if I had to keep one and trade one, I'm keeping Bell and trading Adams. But I'd love to keep both. I'd love to keep Robbie Anderson as well. But if he's gonna command a lot of money, I'm not really willing to invest all that money into into Robbie Anderson. I mean, he did play better as of late. He wasn't just like a streak guy that just runs down the field and burns burns people. Um, but, you know, like I said in the beginning, the Jets have the 11th overall pick, pick in this year's draft. Um, for me personally, Nick, I'm hoping that they sure up the offensive line in this draft and, and you know, get some weapons like you were saying with wide, wide receivers. I think the two areas that the Jets definitely need to improve this offseason, if they have goals and they can only have two goals, the two goals should be fixing the offensive line and getting weapons for Sam Darnold, specifically wide receivers. Because, you know, we didn't even mention the fact that, that Darnold put up those numbers when he was healthy with, you know, he played with, like, different offensive line each game. Each, every single game, the offensive line had at least one new player in it. So there was no consistency when it came to the offensive line. And, you know, that hurts a young quarterback. That, that, that bothers, you know, a mature quarterback. So let alone a, a second-year quarterback who only played in 13 games in year one. So they definitely need to shore up the offensive line. And more specifically, left tackle. There's a guy from Georgia. I'm forgetting the kid's name. He's a left tackle. He's a really good left tackle. I personally don't think he's going to be available at 11 for the Jets. But if he's available at 11, you've got to snag him. Like I said, they've got to shore up the offensive line and wide receiver, especially in a draft where you're going into year three, first time with Joe Douglas. He was a former offensive lineman. This is the time to fix it. You don't want to risk injury with Sam Darnold. You don't want to keep stunting his development because he there's no there's no stability in the offensive line. You got to fix it now, and it's got to you got to stop with this carousel of offensive linemen heading into year three with Darnold. Yeah, man, it seems like the Jets and the Giants—they both love their their trash lines. Yeah, it's something I've been dealing with for a long time. And welcome, welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
This is going to be a very important offseason for both the Jets and the Giants. But before we end, real quick, Nick, who you have winning the Super Bowl and the teams that are left? The teams that are left. Well, before I say that, let me just tell you how happy I was that not only did the Patriots lose, not only did the Saints lose, but the Eagles lost in one weekend. That was that was the best weekend of football I think I ever experienced. <laughs> All the crying on Twitter and social media. Oh, oh my God. It was incredible. But who's going to win with what's left? Hmm. I really think the... Oh, I don't even know. I really think... The Chiefs have a shot. Like, I feel like really? they were supposed to win last year, but didn't. And I feel like no one – I feel like the Chiefs are the underdog this year for some reason. Well, because Lamar Jackson's getting all the hype. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the Ravens are going to lose in the AFC Championship. I don't buy it. I'm not completely on board yet. You think they're going to lose to the, the – you said the Ravens are going to lose? Yeah. They're going to lose to the Titans. I don't know about – the Titans – I like the Titans too. I think the the uh the champions are gonna come out of the AFC, so I'm either gonna go Titans or Chiefs. I'm more leaning towards Chiefs, but I'm down for a Titans win. All right. And so who do you got winning the Super Bowl then? Oh, you said either the Titans or the Chiefs, that's what you just yeah. said, right? All right. Well for me, um, you know, I had the Saints winning the whole thing. And obviously that's not going to happen this year. Bummed. But I, I think the Chiefs and the Ravens are going to come out of the divisional rounds. I think they're going to square off. And I think it's going to be a great game for the championship round. And I'm going to have to give the edge to the Chiefs. You know, they had a really good year last year. They still have Patrick Mahomes this year. Obviously, like we, like I just said, all the hype is going to the uh, Lamar Jackson and the, and the Baltimore Ravens. But I could see the Chiefs, you know, I guess there would be an upset since they're the two seed and make it to the Super Bowl. And looking at the uh, – Looking at the other side of the football, the uh, the bracket, you have the, the 49ers going up against the Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks going up against the Packers. I could see the Packers coming out on top against Seattle and then the 49ers winning against Minnesota. Um, I'd love – personally, I'd love to see a Chiefs-San Francisco Super Bowl. And if that's the case, I would have to lean towards San Francisco due to their defense, man. Their defense is scary when healthy and they're finally healthy again, so – I think I'm going San Francisco all the way here. Obviously, like I said, I hadn't. I had the Saints going. I had the Saints winning. I had the Saints versus the 49ers in the championship round in my predictions when the, when the playoffs started. Obviously, that's not going to happen. So I have to kind of pivot here, and I'm going San Francisco all the way. Nah, you're bugging. Jimmy G not doing nothing. I know, but he, he just needs to do enough, and it's all about the defense. So if he can do his part and just do enough. He could ride the defense all the way to the chip. I'm waiting for it. I'll, I'll be there. Be the first one to congratulate them. But if it happens, <laughs> it happens. But I'm going Titans, man. Titan Nation. All right. <laughs> Out of the four teams over there, you picked the Titans. That's crazy to me. Titan Nation. But we'll see what happens. But you've been listening to episode 28 of MNN Sports Talk Podcast. Thank you, everybody. And before we log off, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MN Sports Talk Pod. Have a great one, everyone. Titan Nation.